Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's degree in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but we both contribute content for the Live Today Well Collective, which provides media content created by Catholic women. She's a personal coach who gives encouragement for writers and those wanting to lead faith-based discussions. And she also produces her own content for her website, which you can check out. It's Katie Kibbe. Hi, Katie. Hey, Julia. Thanks for inviting me to join you. Thank you for taking the time to be here. I would love for you to tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. I am a mother of two, a wife of one, and a dog mom. (laughs) But my dog is currently living in college with my daughter because we made a pandemic move to Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, just don't have space for the Labradoodle. So the dog is is loving college life. But... um, (laughs) I have spent about the past 10 years in women's ministry, gathering around the table with women to talk about scripture and helping women to incorporate scripture, the scriptural truths that they learn um, into their everyday life. And so I've written two Bible studies and several discussion guides and currently lead small groups and then help other writers to kind of do the same thing. I love that. I, you're the perfect person for this podcast. I'm so glad that we're connected because you kind of we have similar goals, I feel like, to empower people to be comfortable with the scripture and to get something out of scripture. So um, you said you were raised Catholic. You've always been Catholic. Yes, um, I am the product of two Catholic parents and my brothers and I both went to Catholic school in Houston. I went to St. Agnes, the all girls school in Houston, and then went to Boston College for freshman year, but found it was too cold, so I transferred. So I have 13 years of good Catholic education under my belt and was involved with Walking with Purpose. I'm sure that a lot of your listeners are familiar with Mm -hmm. Walking with Purpose, but became involved with them and learned about really the power of being in the Word every day. So Mm -hmm. it really enhances Uh, my relationship with Christ, my relationship with the mass and the sacraments. And so I love sharing just any conversation about scripture is just lights me up. Amen. Me too. I'm so excited to talk to you about it. I think it's funny that you went from Boston to Cleveland, though. I know Boston is super cold. So how are you finding the Cleveland winter so far? I'm from there, so I, I can say it. Thankfully, and not thankfully about global warming, but warming, but right. thankfully global warming has made the winters milder here. And I got a really good coat. So it makes all the difference. If you've got good coat and good boots, then you can handle about anything. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And where is your dog and your daughter currently enjoying college life? They are in North Carolina. So um, they're in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Nice. That is, there's a lot of universities and colleges down there, and I'm sure that they are loving life. It's warmer down there. <laughs> yes. Allergy season apparently has has arrived for them. Yeah, it is spring. It is, it is that time. We feel it in Virginia, too. Well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit more about yourself. And I'm going to have you next read the passage that you've chosen for us. You've chosen Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56, and it is the Magnificat. So whenever you are ready. And Mary said... My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, 
my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on will all ages call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry he has filled with good things, the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped Israel his servant, remembering his mercy, according to his promise to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Mary remained with her, that's Elizabeth, about three months and then returned to her home. Okay, so I'm going to give everybody just a little bit of kind of where we're at in Luke's gospel. We've talked about Luke a little bit on this podcast, but we've done a lot of his parables. This is the first time we've done one of his infancy narratives. So an infancy narrative is essentially just a birth story about Jesus, and only two of the four gospel writers include infancy narratives. Luke has a lot of them because it's said that Mary was possibly a source for his gospel. So we get all of those joyful mysteries from the rosary, those infancy narratives really in Luke's gospel. As you mentioned, this Magnificat, this prayer, comes right during the mystery or the event of the visitation where Mary has found out that she's going to have Jesus. She's also found out her cousin Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. And so she goes to visit Elizabeth and then they share this beautiful moment of rejoicing together. So that's a little bit where we're at in Luke's gospel. Did you want to add anything to that, Katie? No, I th- you set that up perfectly. <laughs> Good. Nice little summary there for everybody. My first question for all of my guests is, why did you choose this passage of all the passages in the Bible? Well, there are so many that are that I absolutely love. I just I, I spend a lot of time in the Psalms and those um, mm-hmm. soothe my soul. But one of the things that I love about this passage is it I believe that it really sets us up for Mary's interior life to help us Mm. to understand what it means to trust God. And it's also a beautiful example of spiritual friendship and how when you encounter a spiritual friend that your soul sings out and you can't help but praise God because of the encounter. And I think that that is two of the things that that um, this passage, why it's part of my favorite. I love that. I've never really thought of that. I always think about this and Mary rejoicing um, to God for the gift, obviously, of our, our, our Savior. But to, I love that image of spiritual friendship. Could you speak a little bit more about that? Maybe Mary's relationship with Elizabeth or just what spiritual friendship like that looks like? So I think about, the fact that Mary has just found out that she is going to be the mother of our savior. Mm -hmm. And she's a very young girl. She's an unwed mother. And Mm -hmm. she's really having to navigate all of these new things without a roadmap. She's had the encounter with the Holy Spirit. So that sets her apart from many of the people in the Bible. Mm -hmm. But she needs this experience of going to Elizabeth 
to kind of solidify that, yes, this is true, that what the Mm -hmm. angel Gabriel has said is going to be true, because that was one of the clues that Gabriel gave her when he spoke to her. So she goes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth has a physical response because of Mm -hmm. encountering Mary. Mary um, recognizes immediately that God is behind all that's happening. And they commune as cousins. You know, they have this conversation as cousins, but it is a deeper conversation than what you would normally have with just another person passing on the street or somebody that you might be going to, you know, to visit. It's just, Mm -hmm. there's these words just flow from a much deeper place. Yeah, I think that's really well said. There is an intimacy to it. And I guess I've never thought about that that way. We do hear about, you referred to Elizabeth's reaction that her baby, John the Baptist, leaps in her womb when she encounters Mary and there's that physical reaction. But I've never thought about this. I guess, yeah, you wouldn't say this to just anybody. They must have had this intimate connection for Mary to go, go on like this, right? It's very kind of gushing of, of her, her rejoicing and just how they must have received each other. I think that's beautiful to think about. A little bit about me. I discerned religious life for a minute. I was a postulant with a religious order. And we said the liturgy of the hours. And some nights, the Magnificat is like our, our prayer, um, or was when I was living in the convent, that this can be like a prayer. Have you ever used this as like your own prayer? Does this this prayer speak to you in any way, like personally? I have. And it, mm-hmm. one of the things that I love about this is that it really, it tells us a lot about God. And mm-hmm. it it is a beautiful blending of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And at one point in my study writing career, I knew how many verses were um, referenced, how many Old Mm -hmm. Testament verses were referenced in this, within this one prayer. And I did not do the research um, for this conversation, (laughs) but it is, it is replete with Old Testament references. And she is quoted again by St. Paul, but this is the Magnificat is quoted definitely by Jude and um, in the letter to Hebrews. But I love the fact that the men are quoting Mary. That is, I never realized that. I actually, I get some of the Old Testament references for sure. Um, I don't know them off the top of my head either. I'd have to kind of go and do some research too. But I love that point because um, I mentioned earlier that Luke he wasn't an apostle, but he was a part of this early Christian community. And so we know that the early apostles and Christian community brought Mary into the fold. And so I love what you're saying that the men kind of took her in and would have like quoted her and listened to her and like heard her stories. So that's really beautiful to think about for sure. What else do you love about this passage, Katie? It, it really challenges me because mm-hmm. the, the line about um, the verse... Um, 48, where it says, from now on, all ages will call me blessed. It sounds mm-hmm. like a little boastful and mm, yeah. a little kind of like, ah, you know, look at me. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to think so great about me. And it's challenging to think 
that that is really, it's actually a humble statement on her part. Well, right before that, she does recognize like his, that she's lowly, right? Like right before that, it's, Mm -hmm. he's looked upon the lowliness. But I see what you're saying that if you just take that line, it's like, all ages are going to call me blessed. That's a little bit, yeah, out of context. But go on. What were you saying about the humility? Because I think there is, it's full of it. Because she recognizes that um, the truth of the fact Mm -hmm. that as the mother of the Savior, that people are going to be calling her this and that right. it is, it, it's a true statement. Um, and she's not trying to soft pedal or backpedal or say, you know, or humble mumble the, mm-hmm. you know, her, her stature or her role mm-hmm. in bearing, you know, Jesus. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I've always kind of struggled with my relationship with Mary. Um, I grew up Catholic, too. And, uh, you know, I went to Catholic school. Mary's in all of our churches, all of our, our textbooks. And because I've she's always been portrayed, at least in my mind, that like so humble and meek and kind of quiet and receiving. And yes, me as someone who's like very loud and kind of outspoken and independent, I've never really connected with her, but until of late. And so you were mentioning earlier some characteristics of her, like she was unwed, you know, they had been betrothed, but they weren't married yet. You know, women were not, didn't have power or anything like that, but yet God has asked her to do something so remarkable. So have you always kind of had a close relationship with Mary or has it been a struggle for you as well? You know, I would echo a lot of what you're saying. One of my favorites, I don't know if you'd call it possessions, but one of my favorite things is this glow in the dark rosary that was my grandfather's and it's, it hung by my, on my bedside lamp. And I didn't pray the rosary growing up. That was not really mm-hmm. a, a practice that our family participated in or a, you know, a prayer practice that we participated in. But the existence of the rosary, the presence of the rosary was very comforting to me. So it was not until I wrote a study called The Spirit of Mary that I was able to spend enough time with her to take her off the pedestal and really mm-hmm. become friends with her that Mm -hmm. I understood a little bit more fully just the power of a relationship with her and that Mm -hmm. she was a very, very strong woman and that she was Mm -hmm. a, a really a good model for us as well. That she, like I said, she was, she is depicted in all of our churches with her eyes down and, and Mm -hmm. looking very demure, but there is no way that that woman could have garnered the respect of all of the disciples. This is, of course, going forward at um, after her son died and gathered them all and kept them all together as a group so that they could then experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's jumping way forward in the story. (laughs) But I... um, I, I think that it kind of the book ends, those two, um, Mary at the Visitation and Mary at Pentecost. She just could not have been this back of the house or back of the kitchen mm-hmm. type of a quiet woman. Yeah, I agree. I liked what you were saying before, too, when we were looking at the verses, that even though she's saying from now on all ages will call me blessed, but it's because of her understanding the the significance of the role and also just like the savior that she's going, you know, the, just the, the gravity of that, the Messiah is coming into the world through her. I think she understands that responsibility and it's not that she's boasting of that, but she just really recognizes it. And then to go back to what you were saying earlier too, that she and Elizabeth are at, 
able to have this intimate moment to rejoice. I think about my friends when I have like good news, you know, and it's nothing like this, nothing like as I'm going to help to save the world, through, you know, from sin. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think she's allowed to be a little bit, a little bit boastful and a little confident with this. I don't know. The other, um, I love, you know, what you just said about that and that the, you know, her blessedness comes from God. It is not mm-hmm. inherent of her human nature that the, you know, her, her holiness, her blessedness comes, you know, directly from God. And she sees him in such a, you know, just an intimate age and really knows him well. But, you know, there's other parts of the Magnificat that are challenging. And especially after we've gone through this, the year that we've been through, where we see, you know, kind of further along in verse 52 about he, that God has thrown down rulers from thrones, but lifted up the lowly. Mm-hmm. And that the hungry he has filled with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. And this is a, it's a challenge to us if we are in a place of power or if mm-hmm. we are, you know, if we are full and we're not hungry. So I think that she knows something that we need to be pondering ourselves. Absolutely. Um, I'm teaching actually the Gospels right now in my scripture class. We've kind of gone through highlights of the Old Testament and we finally made our way to the Gospels. And I'd give this like we're talking about the incarnation, right, and what that means that God became man. And this certainly goes along with what we're talking about here. Um, but one of the questions, they're like true and false statements. We're talking about his humanity and his divinity. And there was a statement like, true or false, God uses the weak and the powerless to fulfill his covenant, something like mm-hmm. that. And the kids kind of had to like think about it. And I was like, come on, guys, we just finished the Old Testament, like thinking about they're like, yeah, but David was a king. And like, but he started out just a shepherd boy, you know, and then taking it to Mary right now, like how God uses a woman in this time period but wouldn't have any power to do this incredible thing that we're talking about. So that just made me think while you were speaking about God using like the powerless or the weak, like someone who's like a woman, like that's powerful, even though she wasn't a, a woman or person of power at the time. I don't know if you wanted to respond to that, but. I completely, I mean, just to echo what you're saying, she would have had no ability to own anything. She had no ability mm-hmm. to consent to who she married. She had no ability to travel on her, really travel on her own or unaccompanied. No right to vote. She mm-hmm. pretty much was property. And mm-hmm. the fact that God did not look at man's construct of how man had constructed society, but he mm-hmm. chose an individual to to bear the savior because he could have you know he, Jesus could have come into the world fully formed as a right. man he right. did not he did not have to come as a baby and i think we forget that yeah but something else we were talking about with this kind of incarnation conversation i always say you know god could have saved us from our sin in any way you know he could have done it in any of other ways but for him to humble himself become and as you're speaking too like he could have just come as an adult but to be humbled and born as a child and have to learn and to grow. And I mean, it's a lot for us to wrap our brains around because he's also God, but then the human part of him had feelings um, and and just shows what God, what kind of God that we have, that he allows himself to be like one of us, you know, and then again, using Mary as that channel who wouldn't have had any power as you were mentioning too. 
it's really beautiful. I love having those conversations with my students. It's cool to hear that the light, see the light bulb go off for them too. That's one of the best things is whenever, I mean, I love teaching too, but to see when you see that moment and their posture changes and they're kind of like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Like it is, mm-hmm. it is a, it is a great moment. You were speaking earlier, like part of the purpose of this podcast is to take something from scripture and then try to apply it today. So certainly you'd mentioned that is kind of a call or a wake up call for maybe people in power who don't understand or maybe are misusing or misinterpret what that role is. That's one way I think we can certainly take this passage and, and, and examine it today. Do you think, see any other themes or any other ways that we can kind of relate this passage to our lives today and COVID or in any other way? There's just so much good, rich imagery in it that mm-hmm. it, it takes time to sit with this as well. That this is, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the reasons that it is a prayer and one of the reasons why it's in the liturgy of ours. Mm -hmm. is that there are so many different nuggets and it depends upon the day. um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) What's going to jump out at you? And one of the things that I've noticed about COVID is that we are having to slow down. We -hmm. just can't live at the same type of pace. You know, so much, everybody has experienced this with so much being canceled, but adding this, even if you don't have a, you know, a meditation practice, but to just take these few verses and sit with them for days on end and see what it is that God reveals. Because, you know, if you just camped out on the mercy of God, that his Mm -hmm. mercy is from age to age, that it never ends. It is always available to everyone. If you just camped there, um, you know, you could sit in mercy for a very long time. Yeah, all of these lines. I think you're right. I think one of the reasons I mentioned earlier that we, you know, I used to pray this when I prayed the liturgy of the hours. I think there's a reason why it's daily, you know, because as you mentioned, we could really sit with any one of these lines. It's such a great prayer of gratitude. I find sometimes in our prayer, this is always kind of like the dilemma of prayer. Like we, we can use prayer and we can go to God wants us to go to him when we need something. But then we also need to go to him with gratitude. You know, it's not a great it's kind of a one-sided relationship if you're just always going when you need something, which he's happy to you know, be there for you when you need something. But I think this is such a great prayer of gratitude. Like I'm looking at the line um, of 49, like the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. So just like meditating on the great things he's done for us. And then even that latter part, like what does it mean that his name is holy? No, that's beautiful. One of the things, one of the, I guess, you know, a popular writer, Amy Cuddy, she talks about your posture and how when you're speaking, you need to stand a certain way in order for your voice to carry. And that if you want to exhibit um, confidence, you know, you stand up and you throw your shoulders back. And I can only imagine, you know, Mary coming into this conversation with Elizabeth and If you just say these words, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You really can't throw your shoulders down and put your chin into Mm -hmm. your chest and and look down because they're just so powerful and uplifting and opening. I mean, it just Mm -hmm. opens your heart and opens your spirit and your soul with confidence. So Mm -hmm. I think that it's a good model for us to, you know, if we started there, with mm-hmm. I am confident in in God's ability to work in my life now 
I love that. I love, I, I think you're so right. I like that idea of posture. I know I, I've, I think of many women, especially in my teens and my twenties, like confidence is always such a struggle and yeah, come, I like that idea. That's something I'm going to take with me to like start my prayer with confidence. I think that's, that's really something. Cause right. We want to, if we're going to go and ask him for something, we have to believe that we, that he can do it and that we trust him. I like that. I think we've hit a lot of the, the, you know, the parts of this, like we've talked about their intimacy, her humility, her powerlessness, but then also her confidence as we're speaking now. Is there anything else, Katie, that you'd like to say about this passage before we wrap up? I really, I, I think we have touched on it. I really, I love, um, again, back to that spiritual friendship, that it is a, mm-hmm. um, that they're connecting on the the natural level, but they are also connecting on a supernatural level. And mm-hmm. that when we you know, part of my work has been to gather around the table with women and talk about scripture. But when we have these conversations about scripture, we are connecting on a soul level with each other. And Mm -hmm. your podcast does exactly this, you know, having your voice in my ears and in your conversations in my ears, it, it, it does allow us to connect with each other in a supernatural way and reminds us that we are never alone. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. I, I I love that. And especially in this time of COVID and quarantine too, you know, it can be very isolating. We're, we're legitimately isolating, you know? So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast was to connect with people. So thank you for being here and sharing that with us. At the end of the podcast, I like to give people a chance to plug. And I know that you have a lot of cool projects and a lot of things that you do. So what would you like to share with us that you, you would like us, us to check out? Let's see. I spend most of my time in social media. Like I don't spend most of my time in social media. Let me clarify that. I, <laughs> If I'm on social media, I spend my time on Instagram and you can find me at Katie Kibbe on Instagram. And the last name is K-I-B-B-E. I have a blog and website, katiekibbe.com. And um, you can find my Bible studies on Amazon. Um, I have one called Abide, and that is resting in the unfailing love of God. And the second one is Arise, and that is building the kingdom of God, one act of love at a time. And they are both based upon, um, all of them are based upon stories of women in scripture. I love that. And I, I checked out, I checked out your Instagram. You're really, you've got like a great Instagram game. Like you're doing the lives, you're doing videos, you're using it well. You're using that platform really well. So definitely everyone check out Katie's Instagram because I'm, I'm impressed. I, I like, how did you kind of get into that? Did you, did it come easily or did you kind of have to navigate that a little oh, bit? My goodness gracious. <laughs> okay. So to like, in all fairness, I am not a digital native and I uh, have been just experimenting and trying out different things and um, trying to figure out what is fun. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see. It keep, it changes daily and it's some of the stuff falls flat and some of it works out. So I'm having a good time with it. Yeah, I think that's the attitude to have, right? You want to have fun with it. So just have fun with it. But I think you're killing it. I think it you got some good content on there. So definitely everyone check out Katie's Instagram and her website and her books. Uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, it's at 7 Mile Chats, all spelled out. And if you'd like to talk education, Catholic schools with me, you can find me on Twitter at Miss Struckley, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1. And I'd love to talk scripture with you. So thanks again, Katie, for being here. I appreciate it. This has been a blast. I hope we can do it again. Absolutely. We'll definitely stay in touch. 
Thank you, everyone.